I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The Remnant Call. I know that all of you are stuffed and uh, on a, a slight tryptophan uh, nap, some of you right now, some of you feeling a little uh, overwhelmed, but uh, thank God it is Thanksgiving, and I tell you, in this country, we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, you know, we see a dark world out there with so many things that are just wrong going on right now and so much evil and and it's unashamed anymore there's no there's nothing to be covered anymore it's it's nobody hides it anymore they're very open about it but even in the midst of all that there is still so much to be thankful for we live in a place in the United States that we can still share the good news of Jesus Christ openly with a dying world. And folks, we got to remember this could in any moment just come to an end before our very eyes. There are many, so many places around the world that they have to pay a heavy price just to share the good news. It may even cost them their life. And so here we have a lot to be thankful for and we got a lot of work to do. Well, folks, I know that, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot of people are probably snoozing right now in the remnant call. And so, but that's okay. We know you'll be out there on the archives. Tonight, we're going to do something a little different. Um, you know, I always have a different show every week, but tonight we are going to do a throwback to the very first Remnant Call episode. I'm not even sure anybody was listening out there at the time. Uh, we started with nothing. Nobody knew us. We had, you know, I have, I'd never been interviewed on any programs. I still haven't been. Uh, I don't, nobody knew my name, who, who I was. I had no reputation. But, you know, God has sustained and built this program up without backing from other people. Yes, I've been blessed to have good guests on, but God has been the one who has blessed this program. Program. And so we are thankful to him alone for everything that has gone on uh, because he has been the one who has blessed um, and shown that even somebody who is a nobody, if their heart is to share the good news, God will get behind that because that's what he wants us to do. And so we're going to go back to the very first Remnant Call episode, and we're going to share. It was called Jeshurun Waxed Fat and Kicked. Now, before we get in there, I just want to share something about last week's episode before I forget. Uh, last week's episode, um, The Gates of Hell Shall Not Stop His Church. If you didn't listen to that, please go back and catch that there. And also the week before about Prepared for the Last Days. Folks, I just want to say sometimes <laughs> people that know me, uh, I do get intense. Um, but what you hear on this program, that is who I am. Everybody that knows me. I'm the same way on this program. I'm the, anywhere I'm at. Um, I am intense about sharing the good news. If I'm at a church preaching somewhere, or if I'm wherever, 
this is who I am. It's not just coming down behind a microphone. Um, that's that's who Brother Frank is. And so I know sometimes it may seem a little overpassionate, but folks, I believe we are living in the last days. I believe it with ounce of me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that I believe that the Lord uh, Jesus is coming soon. But I believe before that, um, that we are going to face some troublous times and the remnant, all the believers, those who are coming out of the churches into that inner circle that are wanting to give everything to the Messiah, everything to Yeshua, the remnant, we need to be prepared so that when we face these tough times, we are not caught off guard and we have surrendered everything to the Lord so that even though we in our own flesh cannot handle it, he will handle it for us. Well, I will get into the program now. This is going to be a throwback, and you'll see her, my former co-host. Of course, he can't ever be here anymore because, Todd, if you're listening, I know you might be tonight. Um, I was just We just were together eating. Uh, he always has to do this thing called work, and so I haven't had Todd on for a while, but you'll hear him on there. Hopefully, we'll get him back um, when he stops using this. I have to you know, provide excuse. But anyways, here we go. This is the first episode of The Remnant Call. Just sure and waxed fat and kicked. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, that message is just, if not even more important today than it was a year and a half ago when the Remnant Call first started. So here we go. But tonight, I think, uh, is a very good, poignant message because the hour we live in, uh, this is a disease that it's going around here. And so I want to open this up here with a with a scripture. And Todd, if you could read this scripture here for us in Matthew five and uh, Matthew chapter five verse six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Wow, what a powerful statement by Jesus from the famous Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. What a promise from God. You know, and that's something that always baffled me when I was kind of one foot in the church, one foot out. What does it mean? What does it mean, hunger and thirst? Because I know what it means to hunger and thirst for food and for water, but I'll I'll stop there. No, I mean, this is a good point, because I believe what God is saying is that those who intensely desire to live right and to do the things that God asks, not only will they be able to, but they will be filled with his righteousness. Meaning that if you want God in so much, if you want to do his will, if you want to be close to him, if you want everything he has, even though you are not physically able in your own strength to do it, God's saying, if you hunger and thirst after me, you can have me. It's like God saying, if you really want me, I'll give you me. What an awesome promise that is. We see this so often. When you see that brand new believer that comes in the church, that that red-hot, on-fire believer, there's so much passion, so much zeal for the Lord, so much intensity about their walk that they truly are hungering and thirsting to know all they can and do whatever God asks them. And the only thing that matters to those red-hot believers is Jesus. They're on fire for God. But over time, things begin to kind of calm down. And our intensity starts to slowly die. And and the church really is good at that, because when we see those red-hot believers, many times they're they're just a little too hot for us. We like to get that, you know, church fire extinguisher out and just, 
Oh, brother, I mean, not too intense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been in the same pew in the same seat for 25 years right now. Don't make me go out and actually witness to somebody, okay? Right. And so instead of, you know, so when the intensity begins to die in that believer slowly, um, instead of going to God just because we want to be close to him, we, we begin to change and, and we start to go to God when we really just need something from him. Yeah. And we, we, we tend to only really truly see God when, we, when a trial comes or maybe a new job's coming along or something like that. And, and the, no longer is that desire to just be with the Father, right. to just... To just speak to him anymore and and slowly the relationship goes from this god-centered this god everything this jesus all in all relationship to a very a humanistic standpoint to where what can i now get from god right. and if lord i don't need anything well i'll call you back when i do need you right. my question is what happens the day when it finally hits you that you're not hungry anymore I mean, what happens the day it be, finally begins to sink in that you no longer are hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Hmm. You're just coming to church, or you're just read, you know, reading the Word because that's what you're supposed to do. You're living the way you want to live, and if God doesn't do what you ask Him to do and meet your needs in the way you want Him, then oftentimes we get angrier, disappointed, or let down at God. Have you ever had that happen before, Tom? Oh, yes. I can't, I can't explain exactly all the times, but yeah. Um, having that feeling that you're actually, you know, where you're supposed to be, and then you just get dropped, you bottom out. Something just isn't going the way it's supposed to go, or you just don't have that connection that you thought you would. Um, matter of fact, I went through that recently, um, spiritually um, and otherwise. But, yeah, it, it, and you begin to question, you know, what what's going on? Is it me? Is it God trying to put me through something? What exactly is it? Um, so, and a lot of times, I just get frustrated and try to take things into my own hands, personally. So. Yeah, because we're used to instantaneous gratification in this society we live in. Yeah, well, Burger King says, oh, what's their motto? Have it your way, Have right? Have it your way, yeah. Yeah, and and so it, it's very frustrating, and and... and Coming even as a believer, sometimes you're you're going to God the first time, and then you're used to having these instantaneous, and now all of a sudden God's not answering right away. We we get we can get very angry and very. I've heard it very many times. People they're mad at God, right? And and, and now I even hear crazier things in church before, like people say, "Well, it's okay to be mad at God." You know, people can argue with me on that. Maybe I, I'm. I think it's okay we ask God questions, but I will never encourage anybody to be mad at God. How can you justify being angry at somebody you know knows more than you for something that they're allowing you to go through? That sounds a little bit self-defeatist. Well, you know what I find interesting is that God is even merciful when we do get angry. Right. Isn't he? He's just so loving. I, if we could be just one millionth 
as loving as God is, we'd be a billion times better off than we are now. Maybe isn't would would it be possible that if you could not get angry at God, possibly that would mean that you're growing. Or maybe if you're getting angry at God, could that possibly mean that you're immature to a certain degree? I don't know. I'm not trying to put anybody down out there. I'm just wondering because I know that there are different strides in the um, in the race for spiritual growth. And I know we exhibit, just like children do as they grow up, um, we exhibit different temperaments and different characteristics um, spiritually as we grow spiritually. Where that fits in, if at all. Well, you know, a person who is on fire for God views trials completely different than someone who's not. And and sometimes a person on fire for God may not be jumping around and going crazy, but a real hot believer who is in touch with the Lord, they don't see trials the same way as a person who's not. Matter of fact, a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, when a trial comes, they tend to cling even tighter to God. Have you ever noticed that? That would make sense, yes. Yes, I've noticed that. So... I want to get a little deeper into this message here. So if you would, if you got your Bibles handy, you got your swords of the Lord with you there, if you would just open up and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And let's explore this uh, Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Todd, if you could just read for me verses 1 through 4 and let's get this started. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear. O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as dew, as the small rain upon the tender earth, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Amen. This is actually a song. Some people don't realize that, but this is actually a song. And this song starts off establishing the greatness of God. He is a rock, a God of truth. There is no sin in him. He is just and right in all that he does. Our God is perfect and does everything with perfect integrity. And you can stand upon that because he is a rock. Moses in this song is establishing that the God we serve is solid and not to be moved. And what a way to open up a song. Amen? Hallelujah. But there is a problem. There is a problem, unfortunately, and and it starts in verse 5. Could you read with me, Todd? Read it on down. Read verse 5 for me. Read verse 5? Mm-hmm. Okay, verse 5. They have corrupted themselves. They they have corrupted themselves. Uh, Now... Israel has corrupted themselves. I'll read this one, actually. Now, remember, this is prophetic. So, in verse 5, he starts out and it says, They have corrupted 
themselves. It's a prophetic verse. Actually, Moses is looking farther forward into time. This is, see, right now, this is really the beginning of Israel, getting ready to start the, the nation's life in the promised land. This is something that Moses is actually prophesying that is going to come in the future. Um, let's start, let's read on in verse 9 if we can here. Yeah, okay. Uh, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock butter of the kine, and milk of the sheep, of lambs, and the rams of the breed of Ashan, and goats with the fat of the kidneys of wheat. And thou didst, didst drink the pure blood of the grape. See, everything good God had given to Israel, they were in need of absolutely nothing. They had no other gods, their food was sure. Milk, butter, and honey was a staple for them. In this day and age that the Israel was living in, it was like God was saying, hey, my people, they're living at the Ritz, okay? <laughs> there was nothing that God was not willing to do or to give his people. See, out of, out of all of the heathen nations of the earth, God had chosen this small people. They were not like the rest of the world. They had the truth. They didn't worship false gods. They had the true insight into the word, and there was nothing more that God could have given them. Look at me with look at us with verse fifteen. If you jump ahead right there on verse or the next verse, yeah, Todd, it. if you could pick it up in verse fifteen and take, just read that out. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Amen. So who is Jeshurun? Well, Jeshurun was a symbolic name for Israel. It's only used four times in the Bible. The word in the original in the Hebrew, Jeshurun, is it means literally upright. Okay, so God was saying Jeshurun, they were upright. Okay, those were good people, and it says, but here, unfortunately, Jeshurun, the Bible says, waxed fatter, grew fat, and kicked. See, God uses this amazing illustration of a fat ox or a stubborn mule who is eaten and full, and every time God tries to lead this animal, it fights and kicks against God. So God had given them everything. I mean, milk and honey, the promised land, everything was unbelievable. Just sure and just sure in this upright people. 
the ones who follow God, they weren't into the heathen practices. They weren't into the to the to the um this the all these religions that had just a plethora of gods. Their truth was sure. And they were in need of nothing. And they were upright. And God said, unfortunately, they have grown fat. And they're and, and if you've ever worked on a farm, and I, I, did, I grew up working on a farm, this illustration just hits home. You got this cow, and you, oh, man. She's fat and happy. She's eating everything she wanted. She's full. And and you need to move her out of the stall because maybe you need to clean it or you need to lead her in time to milk or whatever. And she just doesn't want to move. Yeah. She's got it. She's already had everything she needs. Like, I'm good. Why do I need to obey you? And so here it says, you forsook. Not only do they not want to move because they're so fat and and they've got, you know, so lazy. Um but they now lightly esteemed, as you read it twice because it's so important, they lightly esteemed the rock, the one that Moses first established in this song of their salvation. So the one that was so solid, who had who had brought everything for them, now they didn't even care. They 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 had everything they wanted. As long, they were they they made it to their prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. I mean, they showed up for church. They were there, but they they really didn't care because they had what they wanted. They were just, as long as they were fat and happy. So, it does this, could, could you say this is a spectrum of not being able to handle God's blessings? Well, I think they handled it first. But they got so comfortable, they forgot work. You remember when the Bible says to find your first love? Yeah. It's so easy to fall off. But the interesting thing, a point I want to kind of bring out in here, when it says that they waxed fat and kicked, this actually is alluding to that God is trying to lead them. He hadn't given up on Israel. He's trying to move them. Like he did the cow. He's trying to lead, but we're, they're pulling back. We're, it reminds me of this verse in Acts. You probably Acts nine five. It says, "And he said, Who art thou, Lord?' This is Paul. If you were Saul at the time, right? And the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against." The pricks. So Paul, in his own life, God was was pricking at his heart. I, I am thoroughly convinced that when he saw the stoning of Stephen, something was in his heart. Because when the Bible describes Stephen like a face of an angel, if I remember correctly, something I, I, I think something shook Paul. I can't prove that, and I, and I don't like to speculate. But something along the line got at Paul, and God was pricking against at him and 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 so he's trying god's trying to get into paul's heart and paul's saying no i don't want he's trying to put a wall up and now all of a sudden jesus confronts him and he's like who are you and he's like why are you resisting me how many people out there tonight listening are you resisting god how how many people has god been trying to get at and you've not been listening 
or you're fighting against him. Well, if I could quickly interject without losing the subject at all, um, with the case of Paul, it's interesting because, you know, when Brother Frank, you posed that question, uh, the first thing I thought in my head is, oh, not me. I'm not kicking against God. Not at all. But Paul probably thought the same thing because he was doing everything he did in God's name, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm just going to leave it there. No, no, you're a, you're absolutely right. Uh, Paul had no idea that he was even resisting because he thought he was on his his own path. That reminds me of the Proverbs. You know, there's the way it seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And um, you know, I can still hear my mom saying those words to me when I'm about to make a stupid decision. Yeah, <laughs> Amen. So here, here, Jerusalem, here, Israel. Excuse me, Jeshurun, the upright. Instead of being this upright followers of God, one is the word that Jerusalem would imply. Israel had become fat, not just physically, but spiritually. Not only were they resistant to the pricks of the spirit, but they were no longer concerned of their own salvation or the rock of their own salvation. Let's keep reading. Todd, if you could read uh, 16 through 18 for me there. Yes. Uh, they provoked him They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. We're still talking about Israel here. Right? Mm-hmm. With admonitions. Abominations. Abominations, sorry. Abominations mm-hmm. provoked they him to anger. All right, hold up one second right there. Hold up one second, because I want to bring out something with that real quick. It says that they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. Now, I think many of us in the Christian world, we probably read past that and say, that's never could be me. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, I, I've never seen a Christian with a little tiny Buddha or a carving, a graven image in their house that they worship, right? No, not of course not. But I've never seen one maybe with called an iPhone or a, or an android. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're starting to step on my toes here, Frankie. I, I, I don't know if I like where this is going. See, <laughs> folks, so many times we look at Israel and we say, this can't be us. But I tell you today, there's more idolatry in the church of God than ever has been. And it's called iPhone. It's called Android. It's called computer. It's called work. It's called busyness. It's called whatever you want to call it as. Whatever that addiction is, whatever that thing is, you put above God is idol worship. What about logic and intelligence? Absolutely. Anything that begins to surpass God's supremacy in your life. Now, folks, I have an iPhone, okay? Todd has an Android. I would look and say a much inferior device to mine, but that's another story. I'm just kidding. Um, but the truth is, I'm a technology guy. And I, I work on systems and, and, I, and I do this stuff. And I realize how quickly this little phone, as justifiable as it may be to do my job, can become an idol in a heartbeat. Easily. Easily. And I'm learning more and more that reading the electronic Bible, it, it's a great blessing to have. 
but I'm learning more and more. It's time to put it down and get back to the book because there's something that when you put that phone down, when you put that computer down, when you put that aside and you just get the word out, you detach yourself away. Now, I brought this up at work one time and had somebody so mad at me because he thought I was trying to blame technology on our problems and and everything like that and you know man he was just crazy upset and and i think the problem was he loved he was in love with technology himself and how dare i speak out i was just sent a little video out to everybody just reminding hey put your phones down yeah look at what's going on around you don't miss relationships so i just want to stress here that just as israel provoked god we do the same things when we put other things before God. What about family? Absolutely. We actually, that's a twofold thing. You can either put your family above God or you can put other things before your family. And that's another topic that needs to be dealt with in another time for sure. Um, That does. Okay, continue on 17 and 18. Okay, uh, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God. Oh, wait, hold on a second. You're telling me Israel was sacrificing unto devils? Well, I would find this hard to believe only because they got to see the pillar by night, the pillar of fire by night, and the cloud during the daytime, and they saw the Red Sea open up, right? But this is now prophetic. We're looking farther forward down the line to something that's going to happen to Israel in the future. Right. They'd seen it in the past, but now... Yeah, but what I'm saying is they they know God more than any one of us, but they're sacrificing unto devils. Well, okay, let's that sounds how could you do that? But let me try to think. How could we do that today as believers? Hmm. Um the Bible says we are to present ourselves our bodies a living sacrifice. Right. But if you begin to sacrifice your time with your computer, your time with your phone, your time with your work, your time with everything else except for the things of God, I would argue that you're doing the same thing. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on now. Hold on, hold on. I need to work to eat because God told me that I need to work. Mm-hmm. If I don't work, I don't eat. So I need, and I love to eat. I love mm-hmm. to eat. I need to get things like clothes, and I need a car for travel, and to do God's work. In order to do God's work, I need to be running on all cylinders. So everything I'm doing, in turn, is kind of for me, but it's really for God, too. Okay, and I agree, you need to do that. But now, when your work begins to overtake your time with God... But you might say, well, I, I've got to work now. But let me let me ask you a question. Now, let's go back to when there was, right now, Brother Todd is, is, is a single man. But let's go back to when there was a lady in your life. Okay. Now, were you able to make time from work for her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. It's been a while since he's had a girlfriend, okay? Uh, but you made time for her because wh- because why? Well, she was important to me. She was important to you. You loved her. You were yeah. in love, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so when 
you know, it's like that person said, busyness is not of the devil. It is the devil. And when you start sacrificing your time to other gods in your life, you're sacrificing to devils. And we do the same thing. We're not actually going up there and taking a chicken and cutting its neck and sacrificing it to the god of Baal. Oh, that'd be horrible. Well, we're doing the same thing. We're just not doing it with the chicken. We're sacrificing with our time and with our minds and what we put before us and on the television and the programs we watch and the pornography and the filthiness and whatever it might be that's your problem, that it's your sacrifice, we can end up doing the same thing. Pick it up if you can there, Todd, um, right after uh, not to God, to gods whom they knew not. Uh, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Oh my, in a day of technology, there's something new every turn, isn't there? There's something new. There's a new god around every turn. Well, if I could, do I have a moment to interject? Yes. Not not just technology. I'm finding that technology is a catalyst for a lot of things. Sure. Um, I'm a technology guy, so I have to bring up technology. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I'm not downplaying that because, yeah, you know, technology in itself is not evil because, uh, you know, we're sending a lot of broadcasts over Amen. different nations. Amen. Yes. Um, airplanes fly our uh, missionaries here and there, and uh, without technology, we wouldn't have certain Absolutely. to viruses and this, that. It's beautiful. What they can do with prosthetic limbs now with technology is amazing. Um, but I guess right now I just want to pinpoint um, like information and almost cultic-like topics such as um, feminism, uh, evolution, uh, being a Democrat or Republican to the hardcore. I'm talking about you guys out there who will, would paint your house blue or red um, if you had the opportunity to, and would only live in a blue or red. Oh, yeah, society. addiction to news is terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, stuff like this, because that's what fuels you. And I run into people like this, and this is I'm going to get some emails, God. I think, after this. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm trying I'm trying not to get you too many. There, that's all right, that's all right. Okay. And I, I don't want to... I don't want to put anybody personally down, but what you may be into may not necessarily be biblical. Um, I'm open for interrogation as well with that, too. I'm still improving by, by Christ's name, but I'm just saying that there are gods in the disguise of um, institutions and even ideas out there, and you see people go hard. I'm going to leave it there. Absolutely. I, I t- yes, your own... Um Knowledge can be a uh, a good and a bad thing. <laughs> we see what Solomon happened with so much knowledge; it became everything became almost vanity because he forgot what happened. That, uh, but thank goodness, in the end of Ecclesiastes, he reminds us, um, verse eighteen, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed. Mm. So here we got their they've got strange gods sacrificing to devils and again repeating they forgot the rock. Not only was Israel resistant towards God, this had turned into flat out rebellion. 
they were now sacrificing to devils. Could this happen to us as believers? I think it can. Could you could 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 you enlighten me as to how? I, I mean, I think I'm pretty safe. I go to church um, on the day of the week that I believe is correct, and I I do what God tells me to do, and I sit in the pulpit. How how exactly would this affect me um, in my church? I don't see how this could happen. Well, that's a good that's a good question. How can this happen? Because you're going to prayer meeting every week, you're 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 going to church, you know, you're 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 doing the things that God that God asks, but how much time do we spend with God outside of those events? How much time do we spend with God when we're not in church? How much time do we get spend in our prayer closets alone with God? versus when we just show up to a function so we can show our faces. See, the real truth to your character will ultimately show up when you're in the midst of a trial. And when something tough comes along in our lives, folks, that's when we when we when everybody is able and we are able to see how we are we will react to God and to the circumstances around us. I mean, I believe the problem in the church world today and with us, because we can, it's so easy just to blame the church, but the fact is, it's about each one of us. On Judgment Day, no one will be there on Judgment Day except you and Jesus. And if he's not on your side, it's not going to be good. No one, I can't come and say, hey, this brother or that sister was a good person, Lord, give us... No, I, nobody's going to do that. And so you've got to ask yourself, folks, tonight, is, as much as you think you're doing for God, as much as you think you're on fire for God, you've got to ask yourselves, have we grown fat and began to kick ourselves? Because if you're not in the prayer closet, if you're not in the Word, if you're not seeking God, if you're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, then you need to re-examine yourself. Because when something does happen, when the lights do go out, when the MP, EMP explodes over our cities, when, when, when you know, the power is out, when the food isn't on the shelves, how, what are we going to do at that moment? Because if we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we're going to go to God. We're going to cling to the only one who can save us. Right. I'm just asking the question because at the end of the day, you've got to answer this yourself. I can't answer it for you. You might look good. You might look the part. You might feel safe. But if there is no depth to your walk, then I would say you need to check yourself. If you go, let me, let me, let me say it like this. If you go to a reputable therapist... The first thing he or she is going to do is try to get to the root of your problem, right? Right. I mean, if they're worth their money. And then they are going to try to get you to take responsibility of the problem, whether it's your fault or not. Right. So if you go to the therapist and you can't even admit what the problem is, and then you can't even 
if you do by some chance admit, but then you won't take responsibility because all you want to do is blame it on others, then there's nothing they can do for you. I remember when I was living in the world, when I was on drugs, when I was running around, when I was doing everything wrong in, in this world, and I was full of anger and rage and, and, and violence and things like that. The, the first thing that I remember, God, and one day I'll share this on the radio, my story, when God finally got my attention and revealed to me where I was at, and it was shocking. Because it's like I knew it, and it was there. But I couldn't come, I couldn't, I had to suppress it. Right. Where is our hunger and thirst at? Are we willing to look deep inside? And I know sometimes we don't want to pull back the curtains, because when the curtains are pulled back, that's when we see the dust. That's when we see the dirt. Right. And, and folks, it's, if there's dust and dirt, it's okay. Yeah. We've got to just let God deal with it. If you're just going through the motion because you think that's just what you have to do and you've been doing it so long you don't know what else to do, then I say you need to get on your knees and cry out to God. What's God pricking against your heart today? Are you resisting like a stubborn ox? Are you willing to make a change in your life? Or is God asking too much from us? Is it is God getting in the way of our prosperity? Last week we talked about grace. And folks, God's grace is only good enough for those who are willing to change. See, because if you're not willing to change, then you're not willing to accept God's grace. God's grace is powerful, but if you can't accept your problem, if you can't be honest and real with who you are and your own failures, folks, the problem we have today is we're trying to bring people to the cross. We're trying to bring people to Jesus without them even being convicted of the sinful state that they're in to begin with. We're saying, hey, try this Jesus thing on. It'll improve your life. It'll make you feel better. It will give you this, 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 and this, and this. And then all of a sudden they hit that spot where something's going wrong, and and, and they fall away immediately. They're like, where's God? And I'm like, where are you? It is a start. But it's not the end of the race. It's simply just the beginning. Yeah, it's not just only that is not enough. Because if only that ends up being only that, then you won't be around as long as you would like to be when real trials hit the fan. Saying that prayer simply and accepting Christ in your heart yeah. will should lead you to a deeper walk with Him. But I don't want to leave this show this evening on a sour note. Because the truth is, we've all waxed fat. We've all been kicked at God many times. But the, the amazing thing is, is that there is good news for Jeshurun. God didn't name Israel Jeshurun. 
for nothing. Folks, if you got the word with you there, turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Todd, I'm going to ask if you could begin reading in verse 1 and take it through um, verse 5 for me. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and the floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offering. And they shall spring up as among the grass, and willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and the other shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Oh, amen. God's saying here, listen, I'm not done with Jeshurun yet. They've fallen away. They got messed up. But God says in Isaiah here, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant in Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yes, you've been messed up. You got fat in your walk. You got lazy. You got away from God. And God's saying, come on. If you want to come back, come back. Because I'm going to pour out a fresh drink of cool water on and I'm going to revive you. And yeah, you've been dry, but I'm going to send floods upon that dry ground, and I'm going to pour my spirit out upon thy seed and blessings upon thy offspring. God say, I'm not going to just only bless you, but if you come back, I'm going to bless your children. Sounds like a spiritual coming Amen. home. Part. Amen, folks. If you want to get right, if you're worried about your children, the first and best thing you can do is get right with God. God. I have actually heard the best two biblical psychologists I ever heard in my life. They were straight from the word. They knew what was going on, and they can prove that when parents get right, they're like this piece of elbow macaroni, and the spirit just flows right through them into the children. Because when the parents don't get right and they were in a messed up house, and folks, many of us as parents, we messed up, okay? And don't beat yourself up with it. Just deal with it. You messed up. You weren't perfect. Okay, that's fine. What do we do from now? We get right with God, all right? Because you you got to get right with God, and then he will work through you back to your kids. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 here. Acts chapter 2, just a powerful, every, you know this, uh, it's a powerful story. Peter was delivering a blistering sermon, and he accuses God's people of crucifying the Lord, okay? And and they they were guilty and, and they had no excuse in this sermon, Acts chapter two. 
they knew the truth, but they had been blinded by their own desires. And in a moment of rebuke from Peter, says the most amazing words. Peter, he's calling it as it is. This is no easy sermon. If you if you read what Peter was saying in Acts, in Acts chapter two, it is it is just unbelievable. And and so um, Peter says to them, it says. Um, uh, excuse me, and Peter says in the most amazing words and, and to a people who really deserved death, and I'm going to pick it up in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here they deserve death. They were wicked. They crucified the Lord. They were guilty. We're guilty. And Peter says, listen, if you will call on God's name, You'll be saved. Peter was saying, it basically, even though you've done all this, even though you're just sure you've waxed fat, you've kicked, excuse me, even though you have been living a halfway walk with Christ, if you will call upon his name today, if you will cry out to him, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Bible says that when the people heard this, Todd, when they heard this message, they were pricked in their hearts. Does that bring back some some remind this Jeshurun? They were and, and Paul kicking against the pricks, but this time they weren't resisting anymore. Okay, the the fog had been blown out of their minds. They were seeing clearly, and it says they were pricked in their hearts, and they stopped finally kicking and resisting, and they cried out and said, "Men and brethren, what must we do?" Oh, folks, when God sees his children come to a place of repentance, when he sees the prodigal son coming home, when he sees that daughter or son in that broken moment like these people were, when it finally hits home, Peter responds, and this is what he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Folks, today is your day to choose to stop resisting and fighting to stop kicking against God. If you're living in sin, stop. Just stop it and cry out. If you've grown weary in your walk, stop. Cry out to Him. If you said, Lord, I've tried, but I can't, stop and cry out to Him. He knows you can't. But He can Come home to him. Second Peter three nine says this The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will today. Church, believer, 
offense center is that you would come home to him. Won't you accept this invitation tonight? I don't know where you're at, brother or sister out there in your walk. I don't know what you've been through. I've never walked in your shoes. I don't know what it's like. God does. We're all falling short of the glory of God. We're all guilty in need of a Savior. And folks, the remnants of crushed people, and we've been bruised, and, and, and a lot of things are our own fault. And some things are not ours. But if Jesus was willing to lay everything down, couldn't we at least give our lives back to Him? If you're dry, if you're suffering, if you're, if, you're, if you're just feeling like, I don't know where God is anymore, I don't know if He really loves me, folks, I want to tell you tonight, He loves you. And I want to encourage you, get in that prayer closet. Get alone with God. Seek His face and let Him draw you back. And He is faithful. There are going to be peaks and valleys in your walk with God. There's going to be some dry deserts. But God didn't give up, give up on Jeshurun, and He's certainly not going to give up on you. Amen to that. Folks, put the devil in his right place behind you. And look to the one, Jesus Christ, in front of you. And I can guarantee you, he will keep you to the end. Todd, could you pray for us tonight as we close out this program? We're down to our last minute and 30 seconds. That God will... There's my warning right there. That God will... Do this thing for us. Yes. And he will overcome our shortcomings. He will draw us back to him. Todd, will you close us out with that? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. Lord, thank you for seeing us through today, even yes. though it may have been miserable, it may have been great. Oh, help us, God. You brought us through, Lord. To please enter our lives and move us. Please, God, rescue us from ourselves and help us not to put any idols before you. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, you can come back tonight, and I want to encourage you, get in that prayer closet, get in the Word, and let that rock of your salvation do the work that He's been dying to do. Actually, that He died to do, and that's to save his people. For the prize that was laid up before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross. Hallelujah, because you were worth it. This is Brother Frank and Brother Todd from the Remnant Call saying God bless and good night. For the Lord, for the Lord,